Empower Radio presents the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Break through the illusion of separation, explore the infinite field of possibility, and make connections that inspire. Now, here's your host, Dr. Julie Kroll. Hello and welcome everyone. You are listening to the Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. Each week we gather right here to make connections that break through the illusion of separation. And wow, I have to tell you, I'm so looking forward to this conversation with this guest today. You know, mainstream media is saturated with reports of separation and polarization. However, that is not the whole story. Many of you listeners know I talk about it all the time. It's not the whole story. And many, many, many individuals and organizations around the world are weaving threads of unity within the colorful diversity of our human family. Our time is now to shift our collective consciousness and believe that peace and unity are possible. A better world is possible. And hopefully today you will walk away feeling a little bit better about that statement. Honoring all traditions and lineages, in doing that we can harvest the collective wisdom of humanity to foster greater community, connect cultures, and cultivate peace. Today, we're going to explore the potential of interfaith harmony as well. Doesn't that sound lovely? Interfaith harmony. I invite you to take a few deep breaths. Bring your awareness into this moment with an open mind and heart and settle into your essential wholeness as I introduce our guest, Dr. Kurt Johnson of Unity Earth has worked in professional science and comparative religion for over 40 years. A prominent figure on international community committees, particularly at the United Nations, he is an author of the influential book, The Coming Interspiritual Age, and two award-winning books in science. And he's so much more than that. I encourage you all to go to the website. When I give it to you later, check out his biography. Dr. Kurt is an amazing resource for us. So welcome to the show, Dr. Kurt Johnson. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. It's great to be here. Thank you. Well, Kurt, on the show here on the Dr. Julie Show, we have a traditional first question that I like to ask all of our guests. And it used to be that we were kind of setting our conversation into this larger meme and this this greater context. And anymore, it's so fun to watch how even our consciousness and our awareness of this question has evolved over the years since I've been doing this show. So I'm going to start out with that first question question and ask you if you could share with our listeners what does all things connected mean to you (laughs) well it's interesting uh the minute you even suggested there was going to be a question like that i was thinking of my dear friend who you may know as well Llewellyn von lee who's a great leader in the sufi community and also a founder of ecological spirituality and He's fond of saying we were all one to begin with, and we're all one to begin with. It's just a matter of recognizing that. And as you know, uh, the whole voyage of science, I noticed another friend of ours in common is David Sloan Wilson of Evolution Institute. Um, The whole voyage of science has been the discovering of this interconnectivity, and the whole voyage of religions and spirituality, and certainly the individual voyage of each person going on that voyage is that discovery that there is no other 
and we're actually uh, just a part of a, a vast interconnected whole. So, um, you know, that is the great discovery with the capital R that gives great relief. And here we are. Mm, thank you, Kurt. I appreciate your voice and your work because you are you are working to bridge those two um, entities of spirituality and science over the years. And, and now you're working more closely to bridge cultures, to bridge religion, to bridge creeds. I, I think you guys have a saying on, on Unity Earth that has creeds, country, color, and what's the other one? I honestly, I you'd have to refer me. That's our <laughs> I'll think of it later Derek in the show. In Australia, so it would be his <laughs> monikers, and uh, I would obviously agree with them, but whether I could quote them right now is a good yeah. question. Well, I'm sure it'll pop back into my consciousness later. It's, it's really delightful to just follow your work and your voice. And I just, I would love for you to share with our listeners today um, who you are and your story. How do you got here? You've, you've had a variety of experiences here on the planet and you have a, a, a prolific voice when it comes to unity consciousness and, and where we're going. So as we're celebrating this human unity today, tell us a little bit about you and your story. Well, what's interesting, I think any of us who've read any of uh, the books that are out there on the spiritual journey know that we're, we each appear to be called to certain things, and we also seem to be blessed with having lives that prepared us for all of those uh, things that we're called to. And so my life, which really was such an incredible split between professional science at the most credible levels and high-level institutions, but also you know, the deepest levels of the spiritual search and affiliation also with the mainstream there, that those have been side by side for me for for years. And actually, one of the only ways that a lot of people didn't know that is that before the internet and before Wikipedia, they people thought that the Kurt Johnson in science was a different person than the Kurt Johnson in uh, religion and, and spirituality. So how that happened was, is that I was finishing a doctoral program, um, you know, back in the late 60s, where I realized, gosh, maybe before I do this, I should really take a look at the inner journey. I had a, a sense that with all of this external knowledge, I wasn't yet prepared, not only for my own experience of, uh, of life, but the contribution that seemed important to make. I mean, if you look at that, let's say 1968-69 was just the beginning of what Ken Wilber calls the integrative age or the interspiritual age. So this convergence was going on, and I was living that straddle, which is another term that, that people use for that. So I actually became a Christian monk, Christian contemplative monk, which that journey was nearly 14 years, and during which that time I finished my Ph.D. in, in evolution and, and ecology uh, at the uh, Graduate Center in New York City and took a position at the American Museum of Natural History. And as as, as just fate would have it, uh, my religious order in Christianity felt that I was too involved with too many traditions too soon, and that was very controversial. Now it wouldn't be. But because of that, I was asked to leave, uh, you know, with the words, you know, we love you, but you don't represent what we represent, because everything still even more in silos than it is now. And so at that point, then, is when I met uh, Brother Wayne Teasdale, who, of course, wrote the initial book on inner spirituality, 
which was subtitled Discovering the Universal Spirituality in the World's Religions. And I got to meet everyone else who was on that straddle. I mean, that was Matthew Fox and Raymond Panikar and Willie Schager and Thomas Keating, you know, all these people who were pioneers in this cross-discussion. And so, you know, I went on uh, in the science, then clear up until my retirement. And at that point, which was about 10 years ago, then I could devote myself much, much more to the spiritual part of that discussion, uh, which I then did, again, working with those same people and in the spiritual community, in a sense, kind of appeared out of the blue because I'd been so busy uh, with doing science in the way that it needs to be done, which is a, a full-time job. So those two things, the, the science and the spirituality, had, had, uh, had always been a straddle for me. And the gift then is, as things emerge now, in this incredibly convergent time, which you were alluding to in your introduction uh, to the show, it is perfect to be anchored uh, and very anchored very well in both of those discussions. So that's really kind of how it's worked. Yeah. Wow, incredible. I, I I would have loved to just sit in the room with all of you guys. <laughs> what a delicious experience that would be, just exploring all these fun topics. So thank you for sharing that. I, I would love to just go a little more global here before we talk about some specific things that are happening on our planet um, that we can get our listeners involved with. But I, I'm wondering if you might do a state of the unity address for us. Like what's going on now globally uh, with the United Nations, with other organizations? What are you seeing out in the world? Um, and and then later we'll, we'll move into a really special event that's happening in February. But give us your best state of the unity address. Yeah, no, that I'm really happy to do that. I mean, obviously, you know, as I said in my first comment, what's gone on and what then has emerged in greater and greater clarity and urgency and energy has been this understanding of the absolute interconnectedness of everything and all the domains of knowing about that, uh, the knowing from science, the knowing from spirit, um, that that convergence has become uh, more and more apparent. Now, what's very, very interesting, if you look at the interfaith conversation, and one thing I didn't mention is that I've also been teaching comparative religion at the Interfaith Seminary in New York for the last 12 to 15 years as a part of this, uh, this straddle. Early on, the understanding not only of the unity of things, but of the activism needed to create social structures, ways of governance, economics, and all these other dimensions about how we live, the understanding of the need to build a world externally that reflected the inner world, what you know, what Ken Wilbur calls the waking up process, joining the growing up process. Originally, that was something within the world's religions that was emerging basically through the contemplative community. So if you ask why were people like Wayne Teasdale, Thomas Keating, Thomas Merton, Raymond Panikar, and of course we could explain why were they all men. That was just, uh, again, a sociological attribute of that time, very different now. But that that understanding of the, of the depth of that unity was coming from the contemplative community primarily. What's interesting now, and I think it's because of also the whole scientific journey toward the sense of unity, both in the biological community and in the, in, in, in the, new, in the new physics, is that probably within the last two to three years, and you probably noticed this too, 
the driver became far more pragmatic than, let's say, mystical. And that pragmatism was, uh, and I've really seen it in Christianity, was the realization that 10 or 15 different competing truth claims in a globalizing and inevitably multicultural world was not going to work. That we just couldn't have absolute claims about reality uh, doing what the fundamentalists do and killing each other and everything else. It just wasn't going to work. So there not only then was an inner driver toward understanding the fundamental unity, but there was an external driver of pragmatics that we had to find a way uh, to create what the, at the UN is called the world that works for everyone. So that moniker, the world that works for everyone, which is also coupled with another moniker in the UN community, which is where I serve on the, uh, the Committee on Spirituality, Values, and Global Concerns, is, um, is the moniker of um, the world that works for everyone and understanding how we need to be and what we either would call ethics or values or spirituality or heart to actually recognize that the job now is to build that world that actually reflects those inner values. If you interview 99% of the people in the world, they all want the same thing. They want a safe place in which they or their families, friends, loved ones can pursue life, liberty, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, just a, a fulfilling life. And so the, the great uh, transition from a world of competitiveness to a world of cooperativeness is the gigantic uh, other transition that's going on. Yeah. You know, you thank you for that. You talk a lot about seeing with our eyes, the eyes of the heart. And when we see with the eyes of the heart, we see beyond these labels and boundaries and beliefs and, and what have you. So um, is that one of our, our best prescriptions for human unity on the planet right now is really well, shifting it's, and it's understanding the, that? Yeah, it's the prescription. I mean, there's, there's actually no other place that this is going to come from except from people dropping into the heart and in the heart, exactly as you say, there aren't boundaries there. And even in the process, Father Thomas Keating, of course, is famous for the 30-year the process called the Snowmass Interreligious Initiative that resulted in what's called the Nine Points of Agreement Among the World's Religions, which was published in a book called The Common Heart in 2006. And when you would work with him, a figure, you know, I have to imagine he would bring all of these religious leaders from all over the world, sit them down together, and they would realize, usually with the Kleenex box by the time the week was over, that there's no way the head could understand this. There's no way that our brain, which is a parsing mechanism that creates separation, which is its job, and uh, you know, does complex things, could not drop into that place of the fundamental scene of a world without boundaries and a fundamental unity. And usually what would happen by the end of that week, as, as these people would try to draft intellectual ideas of unity, they would end up collapsing really into tears and realize that looking around the room, it was actually just, it was just love. It was recognition that there's a place for everyone and everything. And to quote Llewellyn Von Lee again, there's a place for every song, every creed, every color, every dance, every food, every tent. And that's the living in the great valley of our true nature, Buddha nature, Christ nature, whatever we want to call it, but is that great welcoming place. 
So you're right. That that can only happen in the heart. And you know, you obviously your journey and you're hosting this show and everyone who loves your show. That's why, because that's where they're there together in that place. And it's so simple. I mean, just so simple. Mm. So this unity consciousness, you know, we talk a lot about um, unity not being that everyone is the same. And I loved how you you said every every this, every that, every this um, when you were quoting, because it isn't about everyone coming together as one. It's really this honoring and recognition of all these unique and diverse individuals within a greater whole as the whole. When we really understand that we're here serving the greater whole, um, it really shifts how we see ourselves as as individual integral pieces within that greater whole. No, absolutely. And, and obviously, just take a look at nature. That's the way nature and ecosystems are built. It's the diversity, which is just expanding and expanding and expanding all the time, which is what evolution is all about. And yet, the fundamental interconnection and inner working of that grand organism is always still there, keeping everything cohesive, everything balanced, everything uh, in the place where it's a part of, um, of how the whole system works. So, you know, I think the whole thing is, you know, the human journey has been one of balancing the incredible ego that's come out of ape land and monkey mind. And the big challenge of our species, and obviously our mutual friend David Sloan Wilson and the Altruism Paradigm Evolution Institute that's actually at your website, um, that's what he's talking about now. We're in this huge transition of understanding that with intelligent beings, um, natural selection is about the best cooperator. It's not about the best competitor. And we only need to look at our politics today to show that those two worlds they're just juxtaposed starkly of Trump land, uh, which is all fisticuffs and one group against another. Um, the old definition of Darwinism against the new definition or understanding of Darwinism, which is cooperation and mutuality and, um, and all of that. So yeah. we're surrounded by that great struggle. Yeah. So, so speaking of that great struggle, I want to just kind of go a little deeper into the the interfaith piece here, the religion piece, because you talked about having all these separate absolutes, and and it was time to to really look at that as we're we're moving toward globalization. So, what do we do with extremism? What are you seeing? Um, out in the world right now, what are you seeing with different organizations or institutions? Um, we have mutual friends at United Religions Institute. We have the Parliament of World Religions. We're, we're hosting these conversations. We're moving in that direction. And you're right. The people want this. What else? What's, what's the next best steps for us as we're doing this work on the planet? Well, you know, Ken Wilber has talked really loosely. This is incredibly profoundly about this, that, that it's not the message of each religion that's, that's any problem. It's the developmental level of their behavior that mm -hmm. ends up creating either the, the, the problem or the solution. So, for instance, if you look at Islam, if you look at ISIS, it, that's Islam, but it's Islam at the archaic level of development, which is, again, all about me against you and fisticuffs and all that. 
But if you look at Islam as Rumi, which would be the integral level of Islam, then it's all about love and all about interconnectedness and room for everybody. So one thing that Wilbur points out, and he's absolutely right, is that the religions are all trying to walk up this developmental ladder, you know, from fundamentalism, which in his scheme would be what's called magic mythic, where it's my dog's better than your dog, or as Trump says, my, my button's bigger than your button. And it's trying to walk up through pluralism and then to um, an integral place where, where everything is welcome. All the religions are at some stage of that developmental process. And that's all about behavior, that it's not in your truth claim, it's not in your message, but it's actually in how you behave. And so what Wilbur's saying, and again, he's absolutely right, is that all of the religions need to teach what their religion looks like at these different levels of behavior. And when people can see those levels of behavior, in most of the cases, if the heart's working at all, they'll choose the higher level of where everything is welcome and there's room and there's room for everyone. So that actually, what's interesting, really kind of portrays the, uh, what grew from the interfaith conversation, which came from the cosmopolitan world after World War II, where suddenly we were a global world and really realized we didn't want to keep beating up on each other all the time. And so the interfaith movement then grew from, well, we need to understand each other, we need to have tolerance, we need to dialogue, blah, blah, blah much more in the head. So the interfaith movement was very much in the head. The interspiritual movement, which grew out of the interfaith movement, was actually a dropping from the head into the heart. And basically said, it doesn't matter what religion you look at, if you look at the deep essential teachings of the founder and the mystical and contemplative traditions within any of those, then they're all the same. They're all about love and about caring and nurturing and compassion and how, how one is uh, behaving. So the inner spiritual movement, very interesting, which has just gradually kind of, you know, become the growing edge of the interfaith experience, is the matter of consciousness coming to realize, as you said earlier in the, in the discussion, that these boundaries are really uh, fictitious and only a matter of... Uh, of how our brains parse things out. So, um, again, that's the grand journey that we're on. And uh, I think the fact that, you know, what do you say, 70% of millennials and post-millennials define themselves as spiritual but not religious, or what, what uh, the Pew survey calls the, the nons, the nons of non-affiliated, that so many more people now are interested in the essence of the religious message and not the boundaries or the, or, or the limiting things, uh, you know, within them. Now, obviously, you know, fundamentalism or radical magic mythic thinking, you know, it's still going to persist. Good question, how long? But because it gives comfort, it gives people emotional comfort, it gives them the feeling that they're right, uh, and so on. But that's not, as you know from your journey, is not a fully satisfactory spiritual experience when it's just based on fear. So sooner or later, anyone is going to have to break through the boundaries and uh, you know find that world that uh, where everything goes, but where also everything's welcome. Yes. Oh, beautiful. You know, we need to take a break here, but I just want to just pause and um, kind of bring us back into 
the, the conversation of seeing with the eyes and the eyes of the heart as this medicine, because our, our friend Ken Wilbur, too, when we're talking about these levels, the developmental levels of consciousness and behavior that comes from that and moving up toward integral, I remember, um, oh, probably a year ago, listening to him speak and and um, somebody had said, well, what do we do to hurry up and change things? What do we need to do to hurry and wake people up? And, and the conversation was... The, the remedy was we don't have to wake them up. We need to love them where they're at. Mm-hmm. And when we love them where they're at, they will begin to wake up. So mm-hmm. I, I love that medicine. Thank yep. you for clarifying that. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, we're going to take a quick break. We are here with Dr. Kurt Johnson. And there's so much more about unity.earth. By the way, you can go there, www.unity.earth. And... We're going to talk about Interfaith Harmony Week. We'll be right back. The Empower Meditation Channel. Non-stop meditation music 24 hours a day in the new Empower Radio app. Music to empower your meditation, help you relax, sleep, or provide a calm background while you work. The Empower Meditation Channel is interruption-free. Listen now with the Empower Radio app, free in the App Store, or listen online at empower.fm. Soothe your soul, calm your mind. The Empower Meditation Channel. This is a guided meditation on parenting. Take this time to breathe deeply and close your eyes. Right now, you're completely in control. Unlike the time you and your son played basketball and you attempted to slam dunk. Or when you tried removing those raccoons from the basement. Concentrate on the soothing sound of my voice. Release the memory of when you wrestled with that beehive in your son's treehouse. Let go of the time you thought that skunk was a cat or when you pulled into the garage with your son's bike on top of the car. Deep breaths, deep breaths. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. There are thousands of teens in foster care who don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids and the Ad Council. Today might be the day I drop out of school. Today could be the last day I try. My parents alone can't stop me. My friends can't even stop me. But you might be able to. With United Way, you could tutor me, be my mentor, or volunteer to just read with me. If someone had helped me earlier, I might not be struggling. And studies prove that kids who read well by third grade are more likely to graduate. There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. And United Way is calling for you to be one of them. Because it takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And the difference between me becoming one or the other could be you. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Today might be the day I drop out of school. But you might be able to stop me. With United Way, you could tutor me. Be my mentor. Or volunteer to just read with me. 
There are tons of ways people like you can help kids like me stay in school. Make me a success, not a statistic. Take the pledge to volunteer now at unitedway.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Adding light to the world, one heart at a time. This is Empower Radio. Now, back to the Dr. Julie Show. All things connected on Empower Radio. Welcome back. Hey, if you're inspired by our conversation today, I invite you to share it with others and maybe even listen to it again. You can do that by visiting my website at thedrjulieshow.com where you'll find all the archive links as well as a listing of upcoming guests. Also, stay connected all week on our Facebook page, All Things Connected, where we continue the conversation. I always love to hear from you, so please stay connected. We are here today with Dr. Kurt Johnson, representing Unity.Earth, and he's the author of The Coming Interspiritual Age. We're talking about what's going on in the world, and there is so much going on, especially with Unity.Earth, so I'm going to encourage you to go check them out, www.unity.earth. Again, that's unity.earth. Dr. Johnson, right before the break, we were talking about this seeing with the eyes of the heart, which is really a, a beautiful thing. And I know that this unified experience, this unity consciousness that we're talking about is this felt sense that like you were saying, so many of us on the planet are feeling and we've, we're, we're trying to break through these boundaries and beliefs and, and sense of separation that we've created with the mind. And in doing that, there's this gorgeous, amazing interfaith movement. Lots of things are happening. Spiritual leaders are gathering. Organizations are, are, are really expanding, popping up, doing lots of, of beautiful things on the planet. And one of those things has come from the United Nations and, and your work there is um, much appreciated. Thank you for that. The U-Day Festival came forward because of World Interfaith Harmony Week. Can you give us the background about World Interfaith Harmony first, and then we'll move into what is this U-Day Festival that's been going on and will continue to go on for years here? Well, those are very interesting questions, and I think to, to center on you know how this has unfolded at the United Nations, um, most people in the listening audience understand you know the basics of the UN with the Secretariat and the Security Council and all of that where there's a lot of arguing and stuff. But a lot of them don't know that there are thousands of non-governmental organizations, agencies, committees, all the do-gooders of the world, nearly 8,000 of them, that are all headquartered uh, at the UN and they're doing every kind of work imaginable on every cause imaginable from children to agriculture to water to women to indigenous peoples go through the whole list. The media really never tells you about that. Everyone knows that Doug Harmerschold, who was the, uh, the original uh, Secretary General of the UN, was a deeply, deeply spiritual man. His book, Markings, is actually a meditative, contemplative book. And he actually launched the UN with the, the UN Charter, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and things that were extremely um, idealistic in their worldview. And then, of course, there's always the retrenchment because of what goes on with uh, the underbelly of humanity. 
and the UN and other uh, a lot of global agencies kind of went away and more toward materialism. But what's interesting that it will say in the last five or ten years, the same unfolding of consciousness that we've talked about on this show has been, you know, active in the UN community, and then the um, the General Assembly started then creating um, these events like the International Day of Peace, the Week of Interfaith Harmony. Now we even have World Yoga Day. Um, there's a whole raft now of international uh, holidays and celebrations that aim toward uh, these themes. So actually the Week of Interfaith Harmony is only maybe three, four years old uh, as a set of international events. And I think everyone knows also that the King of Jordan is extremely deeply involved in, uh, in um, you know, promoting how many events there can be and how big and effective that they can be. And so uh, during that week now, there are events all over the world, and there's actually a registry at the UN and through many other NGO websites about what it, uh, what's involved in doing a big event during the World Interfaith Harmony Week, particularly that would address the issues of of unity, peace, and compassion that are active in, in any region around the world, which are very different with regard to regions and cultures and things like that. So that's where the background is there. And so what happens then is that if you think of that as a big nest, then the question is how many birds can land in that nest? And the answer to that is many birds, which would be organizations, networks, associations, constituencies, end up landing in that nest because that theme of world interfaith harmony and centering, uh, as we are, on unity, peace, and compassion is something that then is a, is a very effective invitation. So that's how all these events come about. Beautiful. So World Interfaith Harmony Week has only been here for, and it's the first week in February, February yep. 1 through 7 every year. Is that right? And it's only yep. been three or four years? Yeah, it's only been about three or four years. Time flies so quickly. And, and also at the UN, we have what's called the Week of Spirituality, which is the last week of October. So there's a tremendous amount of activity, activity globally. Uh, like I was doing one radio show per week from the Week of Spirituality to the Week of Interfaith Harmony, which would span November, December, January, and then into early February. So there's a tremendous amount that goes on in those three months. Mm, that just makes me smile. It makes me so happy to think about this. And I, I know there's there's so much more we could bring into the conversation with the challenges and the trials and, and, and politics. But in our blood, we're getting it. You know, we're waking to it. We're feeling that, that urge, that impulse to come together. And um, harmony is a beautiful word. It's not saying it's time to unify all you faiths. It's saying let's harmonize, which is so inviting. Mm. No, absolutely. And even when we talk more about, you know, our particular event in Ethiopia and how and how it grew, it was actually that. It was a, a convergence upon a convergence upon a convergence of everybody, particularly recognizing that Ethiopia referred to as the land of origins, of course, even by its own tourism department, is not only the land of origins for several of the major big five world religions, but also is the land of origins of our species, Homo sapiens, with Lucy and Artie and 
the oldest known uh, fossils of, of, of the species or the genus Homo and all the different uh, steps that we've gone through. And the idea then of having an event there, which would be very central, people could come from Asia, they could come from Europe, they could come from America and Mesoamerica. And we ended up having something then that was, uh, was diversity upon diversity upon diversity. We started actually with, uh, with the unity, with the, uh, with the peace theme, then it grew to the unity and peace theme, and then to the unity, peace, and compassion theme. Um, because every constituency brought a history, like one of the ceremonies there, which I can mention when we talk about kind of how the week is, is divided out, is this uh, joining of the fires of peace, unity, and compassion. And each one of those, which is represented by a torch, is actually a torch that had already gone around the world for that particular cause, like the torch of peace was actually the same torch that went around the world with heads of state and I think nearly three, what they say, 1.5 billion people that were involved in what was called the first earth run, if you go back that far. Uh, and that, that torch has then been relit and will be joining uh, the torch of unity, which is coming from the compassion, I mean the torch of compassion, which is coming from the compassion games, which has served up to 15 million people, over the last number of years, and that then joining the Torch of Unity, which is a torch that's been carried all around Asia in the Buddhist and Islamic communities uh, about uh, this spirit of unity in those uh, worlds. So it's kind of like, you know, once the welcome mat was out, uh, the door knocking was actually (laughs) 24-7, and we've just been very lucky to weave something that's created a place for all of these constituencies uh, huge representation of the indigenous traditions and uh, shamanic events uh, that are aimed at Gaia and the healing of Gaia and, you know, on and on and on when we uh, talk in more detail about the program itself. But. Well, let, let's do that. I, I, I'm, like, just, just really expanded here thinking about all these different people and all these threads that you've weaved together you've created this beautiful container for all this self-organizing to take place and and i really appreciate that so the event that you are sponsoring and, and bringing together creating this container is the u day ethiopia convergence of fires in the land of origins and is this your second year of doing a festival it's all about music and i art and just fun. I can't wait to hear more about it. But is this the second year? Give us a little history of that. Well, yeah, it's actually between the second and the third. I'd give a little background there. The way that Unity Earth came about is that nearly now, 50, used to be 27, now it's 50, organizations and leaders who had already built something, and a lot of these are well known to people, Shift Network, Humanities Team, Integral Life, um, all of us had met on the circuit or at conferences and events, and as we said, all of us had spent our lives building something, just like you have with your program and everything you do. So then it suddenly struck us, wow, if we've all been building something, what could we build together if we actually jumped in this non-egoic sandbox of just co-creativity and fun, and uh, with an urgent mission, of course, and really were unconditional about uh, creating a space that would work for everyone, and what would we call that? Now, uh, 
the moniker that came forward then was actually Unity.Earth. We said, well, everybody's at home there. That seems to be pretty inherent. U-Day was actually an ongoing project that came out of the Australian and Asian component of our partnership, which is at a website called OneGod.com. And OneGod.com really represented one of the biggest interfaith organizations in Australia that also had a huge outreach into the Buddhist and Islamic communities of Asia, both at the level of social work and education, but also at the level of of, uh, of shared ceremony, interfaith activity, and so on. So they actually had the apparatus then to do large festivals. And another reason, uh, they started out with a big one in Thailand, and then we did another big one in Colorado uh, this last summer. Uh, we have Ethiopia now, then we have India in the next year, 2018, then we have Jerusalem in 2019. And we basically have found, again, all of the places within this collective who would say, well, this time come to my town. <laughs> this time come to, my, come to my continent. And one of the things that, that's interesting about the Ethiopia Festival is everybody knows that one of the great icons of the entire history of Ethiopia is Haile Selassie, the Rastafarian community, reggae music, and particularly the message of Haile Selassie at the United Nations before he was invaded by the Italians, and where he basically gave one of the most famous speeches in history, which is known as the Until That Day speech. And in the Until That Day speech at the UN, he said, until that day when the color of your skin or your background or culture is no more important than the color of your eyes, uh, that's what we're living for, is that that convergence and that unity. And even now there's a new version of that. Until that day that the color of your skin and your background and your culture is no more important than the color of your coffee cup, then that's the, that's the day that, that we're living for. So, for instance, the Grammy nominees that we have entertaining at the big concert, which I'll mention in a moment, on Bob Marley's birthday uh, mm-hmm. in Ethiopia, all come from the Rasta community and the amazing interfaith and service work that's done in that community, you know, all around the world. So there's really an interweaving then of all the pieces of Unity Earth uh, with asking, you know, who has the resources, who does festivals, who does tourism, who does magazines, who does radio shows, and then we just, uh, you know, put it all together. Wow. What an incredible, what an incredible convergence that, that that is. So good for you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just even the, the time and energy and resources it takes to do that. It's, it's no little feat. So tell us then some specifics here. The first week in February, there's this festival, lots going on, lots of opportunities. So I'd love yeah. to, to really expand into what our listeners sure. can even do to participate because yeah, there's real, opportunities. We- yeah, real easy to find that. I just checked before I got on. You can uh, Google UD, uh, UDA Ethiopia, just U-day, U-D-A-Y Ethiopia. So if you don't start anywhere else, you Google U-D-A-Y Ethiopia. It'll take you to all the websites that are involved here. And actually, depending on where people were coming from and the time they have, they're either there for seven days or ten days. And if you actually break that week, the week of interfaith harmony, into three major parts, that's an easy way to describe what's going on. So 
The first days when they've arrived, which is really January 30th or 31st on February 1, uh, to get over their jet lag and to acclimatize and all of that, they're basically doing um, cultural sites and cultural tours uh, to nature sites, cultural sites, religious sites, some which are very well known. I think everyone knows Lalibela, which is the place with the ancient uh, churches that are hewn into the stone, uh, whole cathedrals that were made into these uh, cliffs, famous monasteries and also famous natural places people have a chance to unwind. So then that then merges into the big day, February 3rd. And February 3rd is uh, the day that there are several virtual events that people can be a part of. Uh, uh, there'll be a live streaming of what's called the Unite Festival, which will be the first major event that brings uh, several thousand people together for on February 3rd. And a part of the Unite Festival will be a global meditation that'll be online through Maestro Conference, and you'll see it can be easily signed up for. It's free. Um, and that'll be led by uh, Dr. David Nickel, who's the founder of Gaia Field and also the author of a book called Subtle Activism, which is how do we use the field of intention, which Julie was talking about at the beginning of this program, how do we actually use the field of intention to actually propel and affect uh, the day-to-day -day reality. So we'll be doing um, probably up to an hour of a global meditation led by, by David Nickel um, also on the, on the third. Now, just so you'll know, the Unite Festival live stream starts at 8 a.m. Pacific time, which is 11 a.m. Eastern time, and then you can check the times around the world on February 3rd. And then it's actually broken into a break for the global meditation, which they're just switching to a different button because it's a different technology. And that starts at 10 a.m. Pacific time, which is 1 p.m. Eastern time. And that's the global meditation on unity, peace, and compassion. And you'll see the, the easy signups for all of those are available at all of those websites. And I think Julie's also made them available as, as well. So that's then a big event, then February 3rd. Then everybody leaves again and starts to travel, and they head for the Rastafarian community in Ethiopia on February 5th, Shashamami. And there on February 6th, which is Bob Marley's birthday, there's a huge concert uh, with two Grammy nominees and sacred musicians from all of these traditions. It's kind of a, a who's who of well known sacred. Uh, sacred musicians, and that concert then is on uh, on February sixth, which is Bob Marley's uh, Bob Marley's birthday, and that that kind of closes out what's an amazingly exciting week. Beautiful, incredibly filled with um, just really beautiful opportunities for people, and I really want to just really put an exclamation point on this, go to udayethiopia.com because everyone can participate. It's The live stream is, is amazing. David Nichols' meditation will be inspiring and powerful. And so, yeah, thank you. Thanks for sharing all those, all of, all of that, Kurt. So in this, 
the last part of our conversation here before we go, I, I really want to just acknowledge first that you have over 70 spiritual leaders from around the world of different traditions coming together here. And I want to just presence that if we can do this globally, I have faith that we can do this locally in our own neighborhoods and communities. So what would you say to our listeners? How do we bring this home? I mean, 70 spiritual leaders from around the world of different traditions are coming together this week in Ethiopia. Yeah, and How actually is 80 supportive organizations who, wow. who basically got involved simply because of our shared excitement about what Julie just said, that it's a, hey, you never know. If you build it, they will come kind of thing. I think we're at a time now in consciousness where we will be surprised, but we're not surprised about what can unfold. So there's a lot of our partners, like United Religions Initiative and others that are listed uh, there, that, that have a lot of regional and local components around the world. And one of the things we're going to be looking into, because again, uh, say our mutual friend, David Sloan Wilson at Evolution Institute, who's member of the evolutionary leaders. In fact, nine of our core group are all parts of the evolutionary leaders. If, if the listeners go to evolutionaryleaders.net, you're going to see a who's who of you know Deepak Chopra and Gene Houston and uh, Michael Beckwith, and you go through this whole list of the, the founders of the ELs that are you know a part of our a part of our uh, of our network. There's so many places that we're, we have the opportunity now in the future to anchor local and regional work. But David Sloan Wilson has a, uh, a uh, uh, what would you say, a methodology that he's worked out with the evolutionary leaders that's called cell work or cell ministry. And it's basically the idea that our body is made up of a lot of intercooperating cells, and they all do their job and the organism, our body, works as one organism. And we're really trying to see that that thinking globally, acting locally, uh, you know, can really blossom in that way. So I think anybody who stays tuned to Unity.Earth, and the other point I want to make, there's nobody running this. There's no one group that's, like, getting the credit or in the spotlight. You know, this is really all about holarchy and everybody sharing in what's just possible to do, uh, I think what's going to roll out in what we call the Road to 2020, if you actually look at the Unity.Earth website, you'll see there's a link for the Road to 2020. And there you're going to see a lot of the groups you know, like Shift and Humanities Team and Integral Life and We.Net, who are all a part of the larger network. What's going to roll out of that is very specific opportunities now particularly now through 2020, which is our initial window for planning things together, um, which can make local and regional things a real possibility. And we'd love to hear about people's ideas and love to people what, to see what people would like to see uh, could be created regionally and locally. Mm. You know, United Religions Initiatives have a beautiful model as well of, of really having their cooperation circles, which are, are interfaith. And, and we've had um, Bishop Swift on our, or Bishop Swing on our program a couple different times. And I, I love their model of self-organizing cooperation circles with at least seven different um, people and multiple religions represented. And they work on a, a 
a project right in their own community, right in their own region. So I, I love that idea and I, I really do appreciate the the conversation about the different cells within the, the collective body because it, it helps us all to really ground the model of where we're moving toward this unity. So thank you for that. Yeah, okay. absolutely. If people when people look at the websites they'll see that United Religions Initiative is Probably our main partner, and you're absolutely right, they also use that model. And uh, Ambassador Musi Hailu, who uh, was on the previous radio show before the last one, which was all about this, he's the person who's really brought together the elements of United Religions Initiative in Africa with the African Union to then build that part of, the, of what we're doing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. URI had some exciting pioneers, uh, <laughs> many from the from the Episcopal Church, which was my original uh, affiliation as well. Mm. Yeah, lots of amazing people have, have come out of that, so thank you for that. So in two minutes or less, <clears throat> let's give you a, a spontaneous question here, Kurt. In two minutes or less, what has been your biggest surprise and joy over the last 40 years of weaving this work together? Well, I think it's twofold. Um, I think, you know, and this is true of everything, it's true of just the integral view as well, is that there's an essence to things and then there's the skill sets that have to attach to that essence. And you have to have both. You have to have uh, the inner knowing, but you also have to have the outer presence and the outer doing that actually reflects that, that inner presence. Um, I think many of us on this journey uh, early on, I'm just past 70 now, um, we actually wondered whether there could be a congruence between what the heart hungered for and what people in real time could actually try to build together to reflect that. I think where people go off track or become jaded or, or lose faith is when they don't see that congruence. So to answer your question, the big fulfiller to me has been seeing the joining of that sense of essence with the world of, as one per- per teacher says, dream it, do it. The joining of the dream it with the do it. And to actually meet the people who could step up to that in a non-egoic, sharing, holi- you know, holistic, holarchic, whatever you want to call it, way of working together that uh, could build that kind of organismic way of working. So that to me has been what, you know, keeps me going and then, you know, gives me some sense of fulfillment, you know, having been in the interface game over 40 years now. So, Mm. yeah. You've been listening to Dr. Kurt Johnson representing unity.earth. It's been a delightful conversation. Kurt, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom and your passion to all of our listeners here today. I appreciate you. Uh, You're really welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And I want to leave you listeners with a quote from Kurt himself. As the millennium turned, a vision of interspirituality was emerging from within the world's religions. Those who seeded the vision began talking to each other across continents and oceans. And between traditions and cultures, they discerned that their experience, though hugely diverse, was ultimately much the same. All shared a sense of profound interconnectedness, 
oneness, and a unity that transcended the boundaries of their theological traditions, cultural backgrounds, and history narratives. We are making progress. Thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to The Dr. Julie Show, all things connected. And remember, together we are creating connections for the good of the whole. Until next time, I'm sending you a world of love. Bye for now.